0: Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher, and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 146, What Really Matters? If you've been following along at all, you know that I've been sort of pursuing this idea of universal or global values. Kind of like uh, the Bill of Rights or the Ten Commandments or something like that. that Some super high-level list of things that matter to human beings. I think there's a thread of this in all of my episodes, and I wanted to dig into it a little bit today. Uh, and let me uh, preface that by just saying, you know, I, I feel like I've been tested over the last couple of weeks, and I'm not looking for sympathy at all because many people have it a whole lot worse than I do. But man, I have been just drugged through the ringer a, lo- to, to a little bit, you know, from minor things like <laughs> one of my daughter's cars got broken into, they tried to steal it, it got totaled. They're buying a car right now in September of 2023 post COVID is just insane. That car uh, cost about twice what it was worth. Uh, my other daughter's car, not only did it get backed into and finally was scheduled for some maintenance, but it broke down and it's a Hyundai. It's got 90,000 miles on it and I found out the engine is ruined. Hopefully, it's a manufacturer's defect. I don't know. Kind of. Going into the a little bit more of things that matter, you know, my dad is struggling with dementia and that's a rough thing for anybody to experience, me or him or any of my family. Uh, we had to put down one of our dogs. She just got, I'm not sure what happened, she got sick. Um, yeah, I just found out yesterday that one of the apartments I manage pretty much needs all new plumbing, which is underneath the floors of three or four of the apartments. Uh, to so anyway, it's just amazing, and it, and and when when things like that happen, you can react kind of one of two ways: I give up. I mean, because really, <laughs> I understand. Uh, or uh, this is just another one of those things. There's lots of different things that people say. You know, I'm being tested, or God doesn't give me anything I can't handle. Whatever. But you kind of have to decide if you're going to take this down the negative path or try to put some sort of positive spin on the whole thing or at least try to keep your head above water several different options but it does make you wonder what really matters and just for briefly um you know what is what is that what does that word mean <laughs> right you know i think it's funny because physicists study matter we use that word matter to describe things that have like structure or solidity or substance or i'm not i'm not messing with that definition because that's not what i'm talking about what i mean is more like what matters to us what what do we value what is of importance and so i looked up a bunch of the different definitions and man whenever you really look up a a word (laughs) i don't know if you've had this experience but you find out how just convoluted the uh, english language is uh, probably all languages and circular and remember a dictionary is a set of what we think words mean. So this is one of those dynamic things. So what do humans think matter or mattering means? Well, the the standard definition is to be of importance, to have significance. All right. As usual, now we have to define a couple of words in the definition because what do those words mean? What does importance mean? Well, one of the simplest and kind of the endpoint definition of importance is something that has value. I like that. Okay, value. We can stop there. And then to have significance. So, what does significance mean? Worthy of attention or importance. Well, importance was the first half of the definition, so we can't use the second half of the definition. It's the same thing, just redundant. So, worthy of your attention. I like that because we I talk about paying attention and you know learning to direct our attention and what we spend our attention on really defines our lives. To have meaning. Okay. What's meaningful? I, I, I like this. Mattering, meaning. Okay. some uh, Something not directly expressed. All right. That's a little crazy. kind of like that. Purpose, quality, or worthwhileness. So something that has purpose, something that has quality. All right. There's a lot going on there. I like the idea of value, and I like the idea of quality because it implies some Structure: Some things don't matter. Some things do matter. Some things have value. Some things don't have value. Uh, Something that's sort of intangible and something that's meaningful. Okay, we're kind of getting in the neighborhood. Now, the next question sort of is, is this subjective? Well, it really kind of depends on how much of a lumper or splitter you are, how much of a a me or a we you are, how how much of a rugged individualist versus like a collectivist you are. So, sure, I guess... What matters, what has value, what, what gives something quality, can be subjective. But I'm not really interested in that, and it kind of goes back to my eleventh grade English class. Stephen Frolick told gave us a, 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 an exercise about what is what beauty is. And everyone in the class, we read some books, I don't remember what they were, and we're supposed to write an essay about what we thought beauty was. Every single person in the class claimed in their essay that beauty was in the eye of the beholder. Even though we had read multiple works trying to convince us otherwise, and then we turned out, you know, after we all ended up being wrong, Mr. Froelich taught us that beauty is an actually, you know. I guess there's no definitive authority on this, but it was actually inherent in things. Beauty exists in the world. Whether or not we can perceive it is a completely different thing. We don't decide what is beautiful, we decide what we think is beautiful. We decide what we assign that character to. Do you see the difference? Now, where you fall on that again, are you a lump or a splitter? Me versus we, all that. But what I'm looking for here is. What matters to most people? What matters in the context of our evolutionary history as biological organisms, as mammals, as primates, as hominids, right? Like, what has mattered through time? And can we use evolution, like I talked about in the last couple episodes, as sort of a model to to look at and to consult with when, when, when we're deciding? What matters? Okay, we're getting a little bit closer. That's a long way to go to sort of set this episode up. So, just as a, a one last element of setting this thing up, I used to tell you know I struggled with public speaking. Many people have a phobia of public speaking. It causes stress, distress, uh, and anxiety in most human beings. I would say we don't like to get up in front of people. But one thing I've learned, you know, so I was I, I did not like it. I was anxious. I was sweaty. I felt like I was going to barf. You know, I didn't like it uh, when I took a public speaking class and then a few times in college and in high school, I guess, where you had to get up in front of the class or stand up and talk, you know, even when you do those group things where you're like at a meeting and there's 40 or 50 people in the room and we're like, let's go around the room and say your name and your background or whatever, even that causes me stress. And I think that's a fairly normal thing. But what I learned is I could beat it through kind of an exposure therapy, you know, the scorched earth type of approach, I became better at public speaking because I had to I was a teacher, you know, I was a college professor. I taught hundreds of classes to thousands of students over maybe 5 or 10 years. But I sucked at first. I sucked, and I was nervous and I didn't get it. And I had to draw by fire kind of learn it. I remember one time I did a lecture, what really was the turning point for me is I gave a lecture and I really wasn't prepared at all. I did not understand, I think it was like the Krebs cycle or something I was teaching about the uh, human body and physiology, and I just butchered it. And I, I was embarrassed in the moment. It was a, I struggled for an hour I had to get through that two-hour lab. I went home, I sort of thought about what I should do, and I went back to the class next time, super prepared, and I said, hey, I'm giving myself a do-over. I'm sorry I wasn't prepared. I will be prepared from now on. And, and that I realized that preparedness gives you a confidence, and there's a lot of different things that you can do uh, besides just repeating it. But I w- what I would tell Pete, my students later, when well, all students, any young people, any people that struggle with public speaking, I would say, look, like, for example— one of my daughters is in college now, and she has a small media studies class. There's like 10 people in it. She knows them pretty well. They talk informally a lot. She has to, you know, a couple, I guess last year she had to do some speeches. She was really nervous. And I'm like, look, these people are your friends. They're your allies. You're all in the same boat. There's nothing on the line here except a grade. And she really wasn't worried so much about the grade. It was the stress and the anxiety of being in front of people, being the center of attention that was doing it. I said, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter this is look at it this way this is just practice that you get it's an opportunity for when it does matter so i would challenge my students and my daughters to think about the fact that they could practice right if something doesn't really matter then you don't have to be worried about it right you can sort of i guess for me it was a gateway to reducing anxiety like what's really important yeah maybe and and of course that's Right, one of the the words in the definition of matter is importance. So not only does that example of of public speaking practice uh, give you some comfort, but also kind of makes you think about what really matters. You know, what is something that's worthy of getting all worked up about, whatever that means, worthy of some reaction from you, and what things really aren't. You know, it's funny if you and if you think about the things that we do in our lives, the things that cause us stress, you know, think about that today. It's so funny. Like when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, you were stressed. Either everything was fine or you were stressed. It was kind of like that was the black and the white of being a human. You know, you were either in the negative zone, stressed or in the positive zone where everything is OK. Uh, it's really so. So where are you and, and what is this about? And, and the classic example go to is if somebody cuts you off in traffic. Right, that's going to trigger sort of almost like a fight or flight uh, automatic response, and some of this is evolutionary, right? It's it's our, our neurology. When we recognize a threat, we go into fight or flight mode. Um, so that's just something that's going to happen. But the other part of it is kind of like the second arrow in Buddhism. Buddhism, we we add this extra layer of making it matter. And like really attaching to the situation and kind of tripling down on the idea that this has really ruined our day, and what are we going to do about that? But but backing up, and so many of us, myself included, struggle with being, but with uh, with with attaching to and kind of following up on a lot of our automatic reactions in the world, and this causes us stress, stress. And ultimately, it's because we think it matters otherwise would we not do it if, if if we could if we could set up a um a system in our brains for observing the world that sort of listed a whole list of things that are worth worthy, worthwhile right meaningful enough to have a reaction to and then kind of everything else that's not and we could we could pass that through our autonomic nervous system So that we would react appropriately when things matter, only when things matter in a stressful, excited, activated way, and then to let everything else slide. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be amazing if we had some filter of what matters in our brains to help us navigate the world that we're in such that we would not react negatively, attach to, stress out, be anxious about things that don't matter? Okay. But now you got to populate that system. What's going to go on the list? Right? It's pretty easy to look at and make fun of things we react to negatively, that we get worked up and activated about that really don't matter. For example, likes on social media, comments, attention, positive uh support, I don't know, su- su- support through a- interaction on social media, how many followers we have, how many texts you get a day. These things can be used as measures of our self-esteem, but ultimately, should they be? Because once we tie our identities into the number of friends we have, the number of followers we have, the number of likes we get, the interaction we get on social media, then it becomes important. And then all of a sudden, it's it's the thing that matters the most, and, and such that any deviation from those that support level or whatever can be seen as really bad and get us all worked up and stress us out and makes us anxious, right and sad and depressed, we certainly don't want that, uh, and I think we'll all agree that social media is a silly, silly thing to have matter in your life, but all of us do it. Um, whether or not other people get upset at you. You know, one of the four agreements Don Miguel Ruiz I think about often is don't take things personally, right? Don't get your ego in the way. Most of the things that other people do, probably almost all of the things other people do, don't have anything to do with you. The guy cutting your girl, cutting you off in traffic, probably not about you. How many times have you looked over at another car and said, I'm going to cut that guy off just to make him mad? Now, granted, you know, See a couple episodes back, the episodes or uh, the uh, situations with my brother riding a bicycle, getting run off the road and having diapers and pee thrown on him and stuff. Yeah, people do rotten things sometimes for absolutely no reason. That's a good you know, thing that happens, but it isn't about you. People, When people do bad things to other people, it's because there's something going on with the person doing the misdeed. And, and I know it's impossible... To know that in the moment, we all have our automatic nervous system responses, our fight, flight, flee, fawn, fight, yeah, whatever. We're going to react before we can insert any cognition or decision about it. But what I've learned from meditation is there is a way to, there are many ways. Meditation is just one of them. To kind of buy yourself a moment to actually decide or think about what is happening before you react. At least I think that is part of human growth. And maybe that's just me. And I know it goes for a lot of people, though. Maybe not everybody, that we tend to be very reactive when we don't understand what's going on. Like I said, some of this is going to happen, but, uh, but the rest of it we kind of add to the problem. We decide the guy that's cut us off is a jerk, and they've done us wrong, and who were they to treat us like that, and then it spirals out of control you know something happens at work the same way somebody parks in your parking space you get all mad at them and create this whole big dream as don miguel ruiz would say or, or story about why this is a terrible thing and you carry that around with you all day It's that's those second and third arrows that we keep hitting ourselves with that really exacerbate this thing and and if again we could go all the way to the source or we pause at any any step of the way and ask ourselves Does this matter? How much does it matter? Let's put this in context. And the context is a big one because that's where things like awareness, attention, and gratitude, mindfulness come in. Can we try to maintain an awareness about this whole thing? right? And that's why I go back continually to this idea of the global universal value system. It seems like at least objectively, and perhaps there's two lists that will vary somewhat from person to person uh, and maybe from culture to culture, but a, a list for the individuals and a list for kind of the society that we can pass these situations through to sort of say, is this something that is worthy of my attention? Uh, does this have purpose? Does it add quality to my life? Does it have value? Is it meaningful? Does it matter? Number one, can I ask that? And the answer is no or not that much. You really there's no point, purpose va- or you know affect or value in having a negative reaction to it or a disproportionate reaction, right? This all builds toward having kind of a commensurate or appropriate reaction to something that happens in our daily lives rather than uh, a negative or hurtful. Reaction, and that's what I was going to say. This is something that I've done in my life that I've wrestled with. I tend to have a negative negativity bias. Something happens, and I kind of blow things out of proportion. I do a lot of the cognitive behavioral stuff that is kind of a um, erroneous thinking or decision making about things that happen in our lives. And I and I, I particularly need this. And I think that's true for a lot of different people. And so going kind of going back briefly to that subjective uh, or or um, universality of this thing. Sure, it's easy to say that it's different for all people, but I just don't think that's true. It's kind of the the lumper or splitter thing. I am looking for two sets of definitions or lists or filters or descriptors for things that matter to us as individuals and things that matter to us as uh, a society, as a species, and uh, that I've talked about in many of our many other episodes on knowledge plus experience equals wisdom are honoring our ancestors for the sacrifices that they've made and kind of continuing that lineage. What has mattered in the past and should it continue to matter in the future? Things like your own mortality, right? You don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm not going to put myself in a situation that is unsafe. I want to have a filter uh, that says this is a situation that could cause you death. That matters because living and persisting matters to me. And and guess what? I'm pretty sure that one's also going to apply to us as a species. And you can think of things like that. If you Google this, which is fascinating, of universal values, uh, because I think that's kind of how that's my favorite word in describing what matters. We get things like justice, compassion, respect for life, integrity, love, peace, truth, Right conduct, which is interesting because that's kind of an eightfold path Buddhism concept, but really nonviolence. All those are great for me, but if you keep Googling it, you're going to probably get like hundreds of these things. And so it's, it's problematic for one individual to create a universal list of values. <laughs> it really takes a consensus-based discourse with all people, which we know is impossible because you can't talk to 8 billion people ever. Uh, Even if it took a fraction of a second, it would still take a really long time. So it's just something that's not going to happen. But this is what the fields of religion and philosophy and government, I guess, or politics or sociology, anthropology, this is what they study. You know, I think there are lots of people who are interested in the value subset or element of culture of civilization. Of speciation, of biology, of our history. So, three hundred thousand years, maybe. What values have proven to be beneficial to our species? You know, something like parental care. Now, that's not a value, but that's something that we can look back and say, you know, we gestate or carry around our. We have a very low fecundity as humans. We only have one. Well, maybe up to eight. You know, multiple births are not. Uh, that unusual they're not uncommon they happen but typically it's one or two we put a lot of our resources into those kids to improve their odds of survival and so if you look at the way we do that we don't have 10,000 eggs and leave them in the street and are you know to for most of them to be eaten and maybe one of them survive to adulthood like some fish do or some insects we improved on that it improved as a value judgment but 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 The fact that we do it suggests that it works, (laughs) and so we value uh, high parental resource investment in a small number of offspring. That's a strategy. That's the kind of looking at nature and saying what we what it what she does, and considering it to be beneficial, right? And so we can look at the values surrounded by that. So we have things like maybe maybe monogamy as a as an example, but not necessarily. But family structures, social structures, cooperation, interaction, sharing, all those things are considered in the value realm, right? If you wanted to just pick something I love to pick on or, or use as an example, competition versus cooperation, if those things were mutually exclusive and you look at the historical record of evolution over that time period, which one of those has led to more beneficial things for the human species? I argue it's cooperation. Some might argue that it's competition, but and, and, and so on and so on and so on. So from that, my point being, can we derive a list um, of of what that might look like? Or that some ideas to populate the list of potential individual and species level universal values? That's how we decide what matters. We sort of know what it is. I think the problem is we might each do this exercise, and I highly suggest that you do and that I do this on a regular basis because I learned this in therapy, to sort of keep an eye on your values because it helps us navigate our decisions in life. Um, And in doing so, you A, realize how hard this is for one person, much less a family or uh, <laughs> the human species uh, to sort of, but it, but it, but it, but it is finite. I think if we all put the effort in, if this was a possible thing, we could come up with like the Ten Commandments, right, or the Golden Rule, and maybe it's really simple. Uh, we value life. We value. I like the word integrity because that sort of gets uh, being honest. You know, you want to walk your talk. What you say, you, you, should, you should practice what you preach kind of thing. And, and the more that those two things agree, what goes on in your head and what goes on in your physical life and interaction with other people, that's integrity. And the more integrity you have is a high value thing. We value that because we think integrity matters and so on and so on. Empathy and compassion, all these things are complicated by the very thing I started off with. And that, that, that's the definitions in our language. A lot of these words mean different things to me, different people. You might say love, or I might say compassion, or empathy, or interaction, or cooperation, but we might all be talking about the same thing. So the use of words makes it even more complex. But there's some level where what matters matters. <laughs> you know, if we had a better handle on this about what matters to me, what matters to you, what matters to this culture over here, and different parts of the globe, what has mattered to different cultures throughout history. If we understood that better, with all the smoke and mirrors gone, all the literal interpretations of the Bible, all the divisiveness, all the identity politics were gone. If we understood that better, I really think that would take us thousands of years into the future. Uh, And it's something that I think we used to do better, and then things got complicated with the burning of fossil fuels and energy and uh, uh, money um, and sort of the great advances in technology that the human species has taken in the last two to five hundred years. We lost track of this need for guidance you know and again i I think religion government structure civilizations they they used to play these roles. Um, but we don't want a dictatorship, plutocracy sort of sort of uh, defining what those values are. And that's kind of what's happened in the past and probably one of the big errors with government is the handful of people who show up to decide the things bring their biases in the form of what they value. For things like, well, we value a business that's run with slave labor that we don't have to pay that much for, so that our profits are higher, and that's what we want. And that so America was created, or Europe, or whatever. Anyway, I hope I hope this has been at least an introduction uh, to the idea of what matters, and will give you some sort of um, at least stimulate some thought about what matters to you and how. Understanding that will make our individual and collective lives better. It can only improve things, right? So uh, with that, I want to thank you if you've made it this far. Tell your friends. Subscribe. um, All of the things that you can do that will help make this podcast and YouTube channel and blog more accessible to the people who are out there looking for it. I'd certainly appreciate that. You're doing it for everybody, not for me. I'm Chris Bercher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 146, What Really Matters? I'll see you next time. Take it easy.